This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, got a good topic for you today. This is a, a, another short, but this one is about the third cornerback position, one of the weaknesses on the Ravens' defenses, defense, and how the Ravens can address it or how they might best address it, including the use of Kyle Hamilton as, a, as an option, as we saw in the last game. Uh, joining me to talk about this topic is Dylan Friendlich. Dylan, how are you doing? Uh, doing good tonight. Uh, you know, uh, doing pretty well. How about you, Ken? I, no complaints on this side. Uh, Dylan, t- tell folks where they can talk football with you. Uh, yes, you can talk football with me on Twitter at dyfrex underscore underscore. I, I know it's not a great uh, Twitter <laughs> handle, but you know, best I could think of. Uh, thank you, Ken. All right. Well, we're 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 happy to have you here. Have to have a shout out to our sponsor here, Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Uh, please give their product a try. They've got some great seltzer flavors. 
and uh, it's a it, they're in a recyclable aluminum can, which is actually a big difference from plastic these days. So I hope you'll give their product a try, uh, not just to support the show. If if you believe in recycling, we think that's also a, a good reason to do it. So let's set up where the Ravens are a little bit here, Dylan. Before we get into this, the uh, we've seen a lot of experimentation from this team that's that's occurred for I think multiple reasons that we're going to get into but the Ravens biggest weakness remaining on this roster now with Roquan here with the outside linebacker position uh fairly well uh fixed and with the safety position still very deep uh, is in the defensive line there's there hasn't really been a problem at any point this season the, the the big problem is now that third cornerback whether it's the slot corner or it's somebody playing on the outside that might move Humphrey into the slot. So the Ravens have a couple of different ways they could address that. Um, and they've tried several of them. So they certainly, they tried early in the year. They tried with Jalen Armour Davis to give him a try. In fact, he started the game against the Pats. Uh, he used a lot of 11 personnel and they used him as a third corner on the outside, moved Humphrey to the slot. Uh, they finished that experimentation within 10 plays. I think it might've been seven or nine, something like that. And they, they, they benched him. Then they put in Brandon Stevens, another guy. They've tried him some on the on the outside, primarily a little bit in the slot this year, but it's primarily been on the outside. Um, and and that again has Humphrey moving uh, primarily the slot. The Brandon Stevens trial against the uh, New England team lasted into the second half, but it really only was about a half before they benched their second option there. And they've gone back and forth with a few different guys, including Pepe Williams, who, who finished out, out that New England game yet another option um and then just this last week they went to kyle hamilton and went to a lot of big nickel that they played in this game so i don't want to i don't want to monopolize the discussion here but uh we're at a point where the ravens have tried a number of things and i'd like you to kind of talk through what's your theory on on who's the best choice or maybe rank the choices if you want to do that however you'd like to present the topic um dylan it's your stage um yes i would i would sort of i would say that in terms of the Kyle Hamilton experiment, I thought that was more of a, a matchup specific thing. Like, I don't, I don't believe you would have seen Hamilton in the slot nearly as much if they had Landry or yeah, mainly Landry, Michael Thomas. I think he could handle that, but uh, Landry, uh, because you could, that, that would allow them to shift a into the slot too. If they like these, they couldn't shift a into the slot because then it left Callaway you know, as that wide receiver forward, he's not really a quick, you know, sort of, you know, uh, quick twitchy type of athlete. So I believe Hamilton 75% of snaps was sort of a situational thing. Although at the same time, I believe you can argue that he may just be the best thing going forward because frankly, Demarion Williams has been pretty, you know, uh, dismal. And frankly, regardless if, if you if you like Chad or not, you know, Jalen Arbor Davis, um, the coaching staff clearly doesn't. So, uh, you know, I think that says enough. As for Stevens, I think his inexperience is still really showing. As in his last year, that was his first in college. That was his first year as, you know, the cor- that was his first year as a cornerback. And he wasn't just playing cornerback. That was a weird defense at, what was it, SMU? Or SMU, was it? yeah. He played all SMU. over the field every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was cornerback, free safety, strong safety in the slot. You know, whether that was in the slot fitting the run or actually like, you know, uh, playing out in more space type of, you know, deal. Um, you know, I think that's really, you know, showing up the fact that like, 
he doesn't have much experience at all. And he's, you know, whenever we shift him outside, for instance, he bites on a lot of uh, double moves. Uh, you know, so I, I think even though Kyle Hamilton is best served to be just the tight end eraser or big the, or the big wide receiver eraser, I think he's your best guy going forward unless you can get another outside corner to shift Marlin in. Because you really, oh, sorry. No, you please. Because you really don't want Stevens out there, you know, with his inexperience on the outside. Like in the slot, you can maybe, you can maybe fathom that. But on the outside, you know, giving up those explosive plays, you really, you know, do not. So I think I think you've hit on what are the four options at the third corner. So let's kind of go through them one at a time, and and you know, how good a solution are they, or when what might they be the best solution. Um, is, is Stevens ever really the best solution as a guy who plays on the outside and kicks Humphrey inside? Cause I don't think we're going to see Stevens in the slot this year. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Actually, Ken, I don't think we're going to be as every time we've brought in Stevens, I mean, or at least most of the time, uh, you know, it's been sort of as that, you know, outside corner kicking Marlin in just because Marlin's so great in the slot. Like that's. You know, he's just really got a lot of ability there. He's very similar to Ramsey in skill set, although not as good of a run defender. But, uh, you know, uh, I do. I, th- I think that's a great point. You know, it's sort of unfortunate because I would really like to see Stevens in the slot because he sort of has that uh, Jalen Ramsey-esque build. I'm not saying he's anywhere close to Ramsey, but he sort of has that big, tall, sort of wide receiver type build. You know, he sort of filled out, I guess. You know, the... Uh, would you like to go, Ken? I, I was just going to say that some of the thing, good things I think we've seen from Stevens on the outside are some boundary abilities to kind of force a receiver to the edge. Now, we've also seen grabbiness there, and you mentioned that earlier. Um, but but I think we have seen, if I had to pick the things that I've seen, I, I, his traits <laughs> match closer for me on the outside than they do on the inside. And And that's the way that certainly they've been playing him. So the question then comes up, how much are we giving up to have Humphrey be inside instead of outside? I think it is significant. I think, you know, I think Marlon's to me is clearly better on the outside, but uh, you know, I, I know a guy at PFF who, you know, swears by Marlon Humphrey being pretty much the best slot corner in the game. If you want to play him there. Yes. I've heard Brad say that a lot. And I, per- I personally, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, Taron Johnson is, I would say the best slot corner, but in the top three, Absolutely. Marlon Humphrey, you know, all the way, like he's been great. Obviously he doesn't have the short area that you naturally like to see, but it's sort of like a, it's sort of like the production doesn't match what you'd expect. You know, it's sort of like money ball where it's, you know, like uh, it's, it doesn't look quite right, but it works quite right. And you don't really understand why that is because you can't really use that press ability in the slot as much and whatnot. You know, he's clearly built more like an, outside corner i'm like you know it's it just it's just weird but it, it works so we'll talk a little bit about we've talked a little bit about stevens i think we we, we kind of want to at least talk a little bit about all four before we kind of come to a conclusion here uh, you know jalen armor davis it would be the same exchange you're making jalen armor davis very much an outside cornerback not a slot guy doesn't have the right build aircraft carrier size uh can can do some great things in terms of pressing on the outside in theory Mm-hmm. Uh, but but one of the problems we've seen from JAD this year is that his inexperience has really showed. Where, where do you where do you look at on on him? Well, I mean, are you even? Do you think it's realistic that he could be a replacement for 
uh, Peters as early as next year? No, I don't. Uh, I personally didn't like his tape at Alabama that much, although there wasn't a lot of it because he played the last season of his career, like of his career there, but only part of it because of injuries. So like, there's not a lot to go off of there. And I don't believe they would trust him enough to step in for uh, Peters next year, given they don't even want to play him this year. And the only way you're going to get somebody more experience is to actually, you know, and improve him is to actually play the guy. So I'm not saying Jad's a dead Jalen Arbor Davis is a dead pick, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard because you don't, you're trying to contend this year and you can't really contend with Jalen Armour Davis playing outside. I wish he could have played preseason. Honestly, he really, he needed that more than any of these rookies, frankly, like easily he needed it the most. That's a great, that's a great point. And you do have a limited ability to play non-meaningful snaps as the season goes on. And they're actually more likely for your opponent to be passing is if you bring him in when you've got a big lead or the game's out of hand in either direction. In the Ravens' case, playing the opponents they're playing, it better be because the Ravens have a big lead down the stretch <laughs> and not the other way around. But there, there should be some opportunities, I would think, with the Ravens leading by you know three touchdowns with a quarter to play, uh, even though that hasn't been a sure thing for the Ravens this year, yeah. that that, uh, that they could bring in JAD and, and get some snaps out of him. And oftentimes that's when you get a 10-snap drive anyway where, they, where they're, you know, the other quarterback is converting some relatively – easy first downs against a soft zone and you get a chance to look and see what JAD can do. Oh, I agree. Like, I mean, this week coming up is the perfect week for him. If he's not going to get snaps now, it's never going to happen is we should blow out the Panthers. Honestly, you know, especially the Baker Mayfield Panthers, although I'd prefer to have Sam Darnold, but you know, I'll take Baker. That's like (laughs) second place. (laughs) All right. So, Unfortunate that J.A.D. missed some weeks at midseason. He was out after that Pats game. He was inactive from weeks four through seven. Didn't didn't you know get back on the field until week eight. But on the other hand, I think it is a sign that some good things happen in practice, that they're going back to him, that it's not Worley that's their guy going forward, because it could be. They could have activated Daryl Worley. They've as as little room as they have on this roster, they still have enough room to, you know, put a Daryl Worley on the on the field and drop one of those linebackers. Uh, at the end of the roster, whether that would be Phillips or Welch. Oh, yes. Uh, thank thank God they didn't do that because we're, you know, uh, the classic, like uh, the vet, uh, what, what's the term I'm looking for here? Like the the time, time waster. I think mm-hmm. that's the term I'm looking for. Uh, you know, that's sort of what people thought Houston was, you know, a lot around the league. But uh, Worley is definitely that. Like, don't even waste your time with him i'm glad they're not i mean i hope they don't elevate him coming full you know going forward and just let the young guys get experience frankly because you need to get that you need to get them that experience you know i know jad's probably not going to get it unless we blow out teams but stevens you need to get him that you need to get him it all right, so we talked a little bit about Stevens. We talked a little bit about J.E.D. The third guy who is a pure cornerback and a pure slot cornerback at that is Pepe Williams. And he certainly played pretty well in the preseason. Um, looked like he did some things. I The thing I've really liked about Pepe is he, he plays longer than he is in terms of being able to reach for a football that it, you don't think he can get to. And I'm not saying he's Kyle Hamilton in this regard. I'm just saying... I, I see more reach across the body ability, more ability to um, 
overcome his own length shortcomings with regard to coverage? Oh, I wouldn't just say it's coverage. I would say it's run defense too. Mm-hmm. You see, you can see really see him shedding those blocks. Like he's got a really good, you know, PFF run run grade. I mean, you know, he's good at fitting the run. He's really got those instincts, and then he's good at shedding blocks, even against much bigger opponents, which is you know surprise you know surprising. Like he's got that much strength for a guy that small. I'll admit, I didn't watch him in college, so I don't really know. But I don't think anybody did. Is I remember the day draft the draft day reaction to him and nobody had any info on him. It was a very surprising pick. That's, uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, he, he had that reputation after uh, in terms of being a really good downhill player. Um, he's been, I think a reasonably good tackler for a corner. Uh, I, I, I haven't, I haven't had a ton of missed tackles. I'm trying to go back through the games and see uh, where, I have can recall any. I just there's, I'm sure there have been some, but I just I'm not recalling exactly where they were. Um, but it, but it, he's a guy who more fits that mold. The thing I I I want to point out about him, I want to make sure I got a chance to say was that Pepe, despite being probably the best change of direction option that the Ravens have at that slot corner spot, so you can mm-hmm. put Humphrey there if either Jad or Stevens is on the inside, or you can put um uh Hamilton which we'll talk about in a minute there but I think the best change of direction option is clearly clearly Pepe but that being said um I don't think there's anyone currently on the Ravens roster who can really stay with a whip route uh run out of the slot by a, by one of the quicker receivers meaning more quick than fast receivers that that other teams can put in the slot against the Ravens oh I I agree with you 100% you know uh with long speed that's kind of a big issue you know with all the slot options except for marlin and i'd say stevens but like i said there's other issues major issues with stevens but um you know i i agree with you 100 percent. kyle hamilton really doesn't have you know long speed that's that's probably his biggest issue frankly you know the fact that he's not you know gonna keep up on those you know sort of like the deep crosser you know for instance uh Mm -hmm. I, and uh, the same can be said for Demarion. You know, he definitely isn't that guy. I mean, being that small with those small legs, that's kind of hard to be. You know, you got to take a lot more steps. <laughs> yeah, um, they, they certainly have have picked on him when he's been in the game. They've they've yeah. really gone after uh, Pepe to a to a good degree when he's in there at slot corner. Yeah, I, I'm. Yes, I agree. Uh, I would just say stick with Stevens because he sort of has. I mean, like it's hard you know, between Stevens and Hamilton, but I'd say, you know, you can get Hamilton on the field and, you know, uh, whenever they're against 12 or against big wide receivers, but whenever a small wide receiver is out there, ideally, you know, Stevens is out there because he's the only one who's keeping up with let, let me, those let's, guys. Let's continue on to Hamilton before we kind of conclude. Cause I think Hamilton is the most interesting group, uh, you know, number of offsetting pros and cons that I've ever seen put together. And it's not really surprising because he's completely atypical in terms of size and speed and length for the, for the slot corner position. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to put a player like him in at some other position, I mean, you might think outside corner might make sense, you know, because of press coverage ability right off the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, you certainly think his normal position safety would be a place to do it. And, 
I think everybody has really pegged that that he'd be a good guy against 12 personnel to have on the field at, to cover a slot tight end, a, a flex tight end. And he's also, yeah. I think, a pretty good player to, to cover a um, – if when, when teams go to a double in-line look, uh, he's still a good option because he's he's pretty elusive and sheds block I, blocks I think pretty well even pass blocks sometimes as we saw against the the uh, uh, wasn't the Bengals who was it that Froholt got beat by the Browns right uh, as we've seen really good pass rush moves from him I think that, that a lot of that would translate into run defense as well when he's when he's need to when the other team puts twelve on the on the field and they really want to run two in line guys. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, Hamilton is, I'd say, I definitely would agree is the most interesting guy because he's so versatile, but at the same time, he's not like, you know, Derwin James as many touted him to be coming out. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really enjoy watching him, frankly, you know, very, very cerebral player, very just, you know, intelligent. And you can tell when he talks to, he's got the intangibles, you know, you can tell just by his demeanor and you, he just sort of oozes that, which just interests me. Is I've only been around like two or three people like that, frankly. He's, uh, he's very clearly intelligent. And this is one of the things I've talked about before in the show. I can't map that to football IQ yet. I mean, I think he's playing better. And it, we've yeah. seen you know, tremendous growth in terms of ability. But some of the stuff that happened early in the season about him being out of position, just not knowing what he's doing, it's, it kind of shows it, it, there's an indication that he did not pick up the playbook exceptionally quickly. And to me, that's that's a problem. So I'm not ready to hand him the green dot, for example, based on what we've seen so far. In terms oh, of I, oh, I agree with you there. I don't, I'm not ready to hand him the green dot either. He really struggled early in the season whenever we tried to put him into more of a traditional safety role rather than, you know, this sort of, you know, uh, this sort of slot, you know, this sort of big nickel type of, you know, type of role we have him in right now. I agree. I wouldn't be ready to hand him that as for the early season struggles i think you can chalk that up to i mean in my opinion that's just sort of rookie that's rookie weirdness right there you know like you might you might see an extremely smart player and then they struggle in the early parts of the rookie season just because you know they're a rookie you know it happens it's the nfl it's a different speed he played at notre dame and you know they're not they're not in the sec i mean they're an independent but like most years they really don't play that strong of a schedule frankly okay my my uh wife's gonna get angry with you right now but <laughs> that's all right she's uh, uh yeah she's convinced they do and uh but that's i mean this right. year this year yes this year absolutely yeah between i mean they beat clemson who was in the playoff although you know kind of a fake playoff team but and then they beat uh who did they north carolina north carolina i like north carolina they have a heisman candidate right there uh they, they had a good schedule this year i'll give them credit for that so all right, let's talk about what you – we could talk about pros and cons. Do you want to talk about the pros of having Hamilton maybe in the slot? Because they're, they're so different for everyone else. They need to, like, be accounted for. Uh, it, it, it's my opinion anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah, we can start with Hamilton. Uh, would you like to go first? No, please. Okay. I'd say a big pro to Hamilton is the fact that he's, you know, been a tight end eraser so far. You know, every tight end he's been on, they've just – Banished from the game completely. Like Kate Otten, I'd say is having the best rookie season of the tight ends, besides maybe likely. And he just made him vanish from the game. He made, I mean, it wasn't just tight ends either. I mean, Marquez Callaway didn't do anything this game. I think, I think he had one target in the drop. Uh, 
you know, as like, that's a big pro, the fact that he can do that, especially in a conference with, you know, Travis Kelsey. And I know Mike Isicki doesn't get credit, but Mike Isicki is a good big slot. Sure. Not a, not a good blocker at all, but a good big slot. Uh, Dawson Knox digs can go into the slot from time to time. Uh, you know, you, you, that's, that's sort of what we've been doing actually, you know, is trying to deal with Travis Kelsey and, you know, uh, Kyle Hamilton and Roquan are such a big part of that, frankly. So I think we'd all agree. I think, I think pretty much anyone would agree that if the other team puts 12 or 13 personnel on the field, that you're thrilled to have Hamilton out there instead of a slot corner on anybody who might flex. Okay. Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. So, so the question then becomes, is it okay to have him out there on, versus 11 personnel or is one of the other options better? And that's what I really kind of want to focus on in this discussion about Hamilton, because I, I think he's so obviously the best choice against 12 or 13. I don't think we even need to really belabor it because he's, he's a much better option than Stevens or, or, or Pepe or JAD is going to give you in terms of, of how you have to rearrange players and what you need to do in that situation. But the question is, can you live with Hamilton? Do you really get enough value when you put him out there against 11? Um, we haven't we've we haven't seen a lot of it, but we did see in this last game against New Orleans, he played 24 total snaps. Now two of them were penalties, but on the on the 24 snaps they did, and I'm I, I'm saying that because I only show them with 22 snaps. Um, mm-hmm. They had 11 11 personnel, 12 12 personnel snaps, and one 13 personnel snap. So it was really they did it against everything. They didn't just hold him to, to, to against 12. They had him in there against 11, and. You mentioned the thing about Alave and the possibility of him moving to the slot in that situation. Well, I don't really recall if they did that, but I think if that happens, you're okay to have Humphrey trailing Alave anyway, cover him in the slot, and Hamilton then covers an outside receiver, which is probably okay too. Oh, yes. As for that, I mentioned that if Jarvis Landry had played, I think it would have been more of a possibility. Because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Jarvis Landry is an over-the-top guy, but he's an actual is actually a pretty good boundary threat. No offense to Marcus Calloway, as some people on Ravens Twitter would take offense to, but you know, he's just not he's just like sort of like a fringe wide receiver three type. There's a reason the Saints went out and got um, you know, Olave this offseason, you know, to to sort of take up that you know, role right there. They literally gave up so much. I mean, it was partially just a love of the player too, obviously, but uh, I, I don't think they see, you know, a Callaway as that guy. I'd say, you know, Landry, I think changes the dimension of that game and you can put Olave in the slot more. Obviously you, you follow Marlon into there, but then you may just end up with some Hamilton on Landry. And I guess mm-hmm. you could, li- I guess you could live with that because Landry is more of a, I mean, he's sort of a possession guy, you know, sort of over the right. middle type of guy bit of elusiveness. Uh, I mean, I think you could live with that, I guess. That's that's. It's going to put a lot of stress on your inside linebackers because mm-hmm. Hamilton, if it, if it was outside or crossing the field, even from the slot, and Landry is the guy he's, he's covering, he has a couple of weapons he can use. He has his ability to jam at the line of scrimmage, which is you know going to help even against a receiver like Landry. But Landry, atypical in a slot receiver in that he's a pretty big physical dude off the line of scrimmage. So you might not be able to jam him the way you can jam anybody else. He certainly has the length to try. 
But then once Landry crosses, as Landry is wont to do, he's a lot of his you know receptions. We've seen him certainly all over the years uh, beating the Ravens with a lot of crossing routes. You see a mm-hmm. guy who who uh, is probably going to be able to outrace Hamilton pretty quickly, even though he's not a spring chicken anymore. And uh, Hamilton is just not that fast to start with. Um, he may be able to wiggle, but there's there's no since there's no real. It's it's. I think it's going to be harder for for a player like Landry to wiggle because I think he has such a desire to cross that mm-hmm. Hamilton is going to be right on it when it happens. But anyway, the other thing it forces you to do if the cross comes deeper is that your inside linebackers then need to be aware of the play behind them. And we did see a little bit of good stuff from there from Roquan Smith in this game in terms of being able to he was actually lined up on the left on one play that I commented on. It got posted on Twitter. Great, great one from, from all 22, um, all 22 films I'm talking about now, where he he had potential responsibilities for three receivers. Two were on the right, and one ran a, a, a short out route, whether you want to call it a, a flat or a two, whatever you want to call it. Uh, is a short out. And then the other guy ran a post and obviously is way out of where Roquan's coverage responsibility was. But he'd already looked across to his right that means to the offensive left side of the formation and had seen that the slot receiver was there and he'd already figured out that was where the challenge was coming from if he didn't have either of these two guys. We need linebackers who, first of all, are aware of the field in that in that regard. And to see him you know, display that awareness was really nice. But it's against a receiver like Landry, who potentially is going to come in behind him, may come in underneath him, where that that awareness is really going to play out, and he's going to have to help a, a player like Hamilton, and hopefully erase part of what he can do with his route to help him. That's that's the beauty of Roquan right there is that he's one of the few you can really trust in those sort of coverage situations. Like he's clearly got the intelligence, and he's clearly the athlete. Like you could, I mean, I think he pro- I think he has better long speed than Hamilton, frankly. Oh yeah. You know, I you know I've heard I've seen people suggest have him on Kelsey, which I don't know about in man coverage because you know linebackers generally aren't coached for that. You know, they aren't raised to do that. But I mean, in zone, you know, have him pick up Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey if Kelsey goes into his zone, then yeah, absolutely. Uh, I lo- I love Roquan in that regard. Now, I'll add another thing. I think you get from Hamilton. Maybe, mm-hmm. I, I, and I don't want to stop you. If you have another point to make first, please, please go. Uh, oh no, you go, you go. Okay, so, so I think one of the other values of having Hamilton at slot corner, even though he's not ideal in terms of coverage, is exactly what we saw in this last game. Is it sets him up to make a play on a tipped ball, and he has very high ball awareness skills. It, it's like adding another, you know, really high, just good chance to recover the football. We saw the preseason. You know, he's he's last to the ball, but he's but he but he was the one who recovered it, even if he had to, you know, uh, in that game, in that case, uh, grab it away from his own teammates. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's but, he, you know, to, to pull in that ball in the air and it obviously was negated by a very ticky tack penalty. But mm-hmm. that was a terrific play. I mean, it's yes, it was a ball in the air. It, 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 it should have been caught by somebody. But Hamilton was aware of the ball. He had to move to do it. He secured the football by making a nice away from the body catch. He didn't try and trap it and potentially lose it that way. And the Ravens lost a fair number of interceptions recently on exactly that kind of uh, ball skills. I mean, it's just it had all of the you know free safety elements, but it, it, on an inside the box player collecting that football. That's a that's a significant additional value that go that, that accrues to Hamilton 
by being around the box with a defensive line that has some tall players like Urban and Campbell and even the other ones who love to dis- you know, uh, disrupt the pass by, by batting it down or up. You may have started to notice the strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores, but that's not beer. That's why it's in the water section. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help to bring a death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Plus, you can have some fun with it. I love my liquid death. I'm taking it to work every day, throwing it in the backpack. Yesterday, I had a Zoom meeting. There's nothing like getting on a Zoom meeting at 9 a.m. and cracking open a liquid death and watching the other screens as people try to figure out what you're drinking that early in the morning on a work call. So go on over, check out Liquid Death. Pick it up yourself and go on over and get it at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com forward slash film study. I didn't actually account for that i mean that's a great point hamilton is a great hands catcher he has great awareness like on that play i wouldn't even have called that a penalty frankly i've watched it a few times yeah, me too. already it came like chuck clark hit it at the exact same time as the, the ball came in as for the uh the value that's a that's a great point hamilton you know he's clearly got high ball awareness like that ball didn't pop straight up that ball still kept going forward so it actually had some momentum there it was tough to catch. You know, it's it's an NFL football. And it's spinning. Fly. Yep. Yeah, it's spinning. You know, it's not like yeah. a it's not like a pop fly in baseball. You know, uh, but uh, it, you know, it was a really impressive play. As for the playmakers, uh, it's kind of tough because you already have Marcus Peters. You'll get Marcus Williams back soon. Tyus Bowser is a great playmaker at his position. Marlon Humphrey makes great plays. Like uh, I, I always wonder with this. I mean, obviously, more playmakers is better because it's the modern NFL, and you're not getting three and outs nearly as often as you used to. But at the same time, at what point is there like a is there a law of diminishing returns with playmakers? You know, like at what point does that sort of you know? It's you know, interesting all- that you would bring it up and and talk about it that way. I would think there's like almost a critical mass you reach where you get more from the the single incremental playmaker. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, does it does it work on the inverse? Because you sort of see that in, with the 49ers, where there's only one ball, and you have George Kittle, <laughs> CMC, you have Ayuk, uh, Juszczyk, uh Debo. Uh, you know, it's but there's only like one. I mean, obviously, getting you know, having. I guess it. I we're talking know. defense, right? Though, in yeah, terms we're of talking defense. Yeah. Yeah, we're so talking I, defense. I, I completely uh, understand there's only one ball on offense, and Lamar is the embodiment of that, and and you know, is a reason why it's it's not exciting necessarily for a receiver to come to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But but in terms of of there's only one ball for the for the defenders, I don't mind having three guys chasing it. Yeah. And and, uh, it's and if if they have complaints to make about not getting enough interception opportunities, well, get in position for more. Is it's about all yeah. I've got to say about that? I agree with you. It's just, it's just like at a certain point. I mean, you have to consider other things. You know, like an eleven personnel. Do you really, you know, trust him against, uh, say, like a cha- change of direction type guy, sure. a quick, quick guy like Isaiah McKenzie, or, uh, you know, uh, who did the Chiefs? Actually, the Chiefs really don't have anybody like that, do they? 
I mean, um, MVS, I mean, no, he's more of a speed guy, but I mean, that's the same principle. You know, he's not really long speed. He's not really changing the direction. Uh, you know, you have, to, you have to consider those other, other things too, to some extent, you know, uh, it's just kind of hard because you want to, you want to fit the personnel to play the most sound defense you can, but at the same time, you want to get those turnovers. You want to get, you want to play, you want to get that, you want to max out your variance. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a very hard thing to do. Plus you have to get Steven's experience because I'm, you know, we're going to let Peters walk next year. Right. I mean, that's a different uh, discussion, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's, it's quite possible, which means they're probably going to need to spend a lot of draft capital on a cornerback, but go, go back to what you mean by, you want to get your, you, you want to get your variance. I think I understand what you mean by, I want you to explain it. Oh, uh, how do I state? Okay. Uh, for the variance, it's just sort of, you want to maximize those opportunities, you know, to sort of ride the high end of variance and the more playmakers you have, the high, you know, the sort of like the, the more chances you have to get an interception because the ball's in the air, you know, a lot in the modern NFL. And if you have more guys who can, you know, actually make plays on it, uh, you can get more inter. I mean, that, that's not a great explanation, but it's sort of, you want to max your luck out. You know, okay. you want to, you want to hit on 10 every time you can, or uh, not, uh, I can. I assume you can probably explain that. But uh, well, I, I I would give an explanation that fits what I've said on the show before, which is that defenses have to live off variance, meaning meaning they can't take average plays happening play after play after play, or the other team drives right down the field. So they depend on four major things: sacks, uh, turnovers. I'm always missed one with this: multiple incompletions, mm-hmm. sacks, turnovers, multiple, and penalties being the big four. If if a series is that get stopped, the vast majority of the time they have one of those included in them, meaning a three down a set of downs where you don't convert it. Mm-hmm. Very commonly it includes that. So you, defenses really have to gamble to get that, and so you have to take some risks. And and you know, to me, Hamilton in the slot has a has a big set of risks, and I think we've talked about the major two. Which are the the um, uh, you know not ideal to uh, deal with twitchy speed. Although I don't know that the Ravens have anybody else who's really ideal to do it currently. And then not able to really stick with a receiver who's crossing, mm-hmm. uh, and and then he's. I think we've named those those two. I'll give you a third that I think is a is a issue is that by having him there, you do gain a slot corner you know advantage of having a slot corner with ball awareness that's in that's in there but you lose the full field instincts that he was really drafted for meaning one of the things we saw from him is plays a lot faster than his speed but that's really predicated on him being on the back end where he has time to take a a good angle to a long pass to be there to make a play on it and he does not have that in the slot he doesn't have an ability to, to travel a long way to be in the right spot. I, I agree with that. You lose that, you lose that moth, you know, vision. You, you definitely lose that. But I think you can do this a decent amount of times uh, where you can, if it's like a tight end, maybe you can rotate Chuck Clark into the slot and put, and put Hamilton as the strong side of the, the too high structure. Although mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ideal for that. I think he's more of a pure, strong safety type than the sort of the strong side of the, the too high shell type of deal. But I mean, you want to get him some experience back there. So 
you can definitely do that. I think, although Chuck's not exactly the greatest, you know, coverage guy, and he's not getting you those interceptions because he has brick hands. But I mean, he's a great run defender. I mean, yeah. he does that extremely well. And great you're getting it. Back. You're getting him close to the line of scrimmage, which is what you want to do with Chuck. Frankly, you want him close. You want him in the the box. You don't want him, you know, the strong side of a, you know, a, a too high shell. Really, like that's not really his game at all. You okay, know, his, well, his dime back, his dime back, especially. You you mentioned that he was great in the dime back. You know, him and Tony Tony Jefferson are probably the best we've had to be a dime back. Like, I remember what was it, twenty nineteen season with Tony Jefferson was especially. Like that was something special right there. Yeah, he was. Uh, it, 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 with it was Jefferson got hurt, but Clark right. was the guy who who was at Dimeback that year uh, for the bulk of those forty two percent of snaps that they played in Dime, and and uh, he he looked terrific there. Honestly, it was the best season by a Ravens Dime ever. Uh, I I uh, will not uh, react to any other slander of Chuck Clark that you, you've uh, given in there. I, I I think he's actually pretty good on the on the back end of the field. I think he's good about going to a spot. I think he's uh, pretty good in terms of of uh, playing half a field as as a safety. And by the way, that's not usually the weakness of players who have some awareness of routes. Uh, the weakness is usually um in in uh other areas that they're really not able to play single high or that they uh they have some other flaw coming down the box but there's very few guys who can play single high really effectively um i think the ravens are kind of in a good position now that geno stone has been so remarkably good relative to what they lost with marcus williams uh that, that they've been very fortunate in that way yeah oh yeah i love geno it's funny we have two of those guys you know we had zero Last year, really, because we didn't get it was Gino wasn't even on the team last year, I think. Or he was Sean Elliott. Yeah, it was, was right. Yeah. yeah, it was Elliott who is a strong safety. And anybody who says otherwise, I, I, mm. please tweet at me. Please tweet at me. I'd like to. I'd like to fight you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Gino's remarkable. You know, extremely intelligent. Frankly, he reminds me of Harrison Smith a lot. I love. I love Gino. I'm a huge fan. Great, uh, great compliment there, and uh, unbelievably good draft pick for the Ravens if they had kept him. I, I question oh, whether yeah. or not they can get credit for that draft pick because they released him. You know, they, <laughs> it, 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 the first year. So if if they they did get him back, it's true. But now he's like a he's a yeah. free agent. He's back like an undrafted guy from the Ravens' <laughs> perspective. So it's 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 hard for me to give them the credit for that draft pick. But I thought at the time, I was actually calling for it in advance. I said, you know, he's dropped enough. Isn't this a time where the Ravens could be picking up a really good additional safety in the late rounds, like Ozzy always does? And oh yeah, all Ozzy always had is obviously the cost at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I give credit to the front office, and I give Greg. I mean, I give not Greg Roman. I give Wink Martindale a strike for that. Frankly, like you know, the front office clearly wanted him. You know, otherwise, yeah. I mean, of course, you cut guys from you know the seventh round picks. That happens quite a bit, but you know, you still made the pick. I, I give the front office credit. Frankly, you know, they don't make the decisions about the roster construction. That's more of a head coach, DC, OC decision at cut down time. You know. Uh, I, I love Gino though. I was a big fan of his at Iowa. I've watched a ton of tape with him. The analytics love him. He's going to be a great player somewhere else because Marcus Williams' his contract isn't with this team for what is it the next five years? I don't know. I, I've yeah, looked at the contracts, but it doesn't have any outs in it. 
is is four four more years, but I mean, probably in the fifth year or so they can, they could cut him it, but Marcus Williams has shown that he was, he's been worth every dollar in the few games he's played. Oh, Uh, I agree. I agree. I'm just, I just love, I'm enthralled by Geno Smith. I mean, Geno Stone, he's just, you know, I guess he's my type of guy, the unathletic dude who's just super smart. Uh, you know, uh, he just knows sort of, he, he just finds himself in the correct position every snap and, you know, he, he just does it. He's a wizard. I, I don't think they, they're necessarily going to lose him. And and if they could keep four safeties, keep four deep again, um, and go with Gino and find some way to make him what Anthony Levine was here, mm-hmm. um, that would mean that, that Gino has to pretty much go to the market, find out there's not a lot there for him. And the Ravens have to sign him for two years at a time at a four or $500,000 premium to the vet min salary for him to be, you know, a combination of special teams captain and this fourth safety that could be incredibly valuable when you need him. Uh, I I'd love to see him stay in Baltimore. I'd love to see him play his whole career here. Oh yeah. If we can get out of the Marcus Williams deal in four years and Gino's still playing the way he is, I'm good with, uh, giving Gino that money. It's going to, that's, that's going to make people mad, but I mean, you know, he's, he's the younger player. Marcus Williams would be 29 at that point. Gino Stone's been playing lights out, obviously not quite the playmaker Marcus Williams is, and he doesn't have quite the range that Marcus Williams is, but his intelligence gets him to where he needs to be. And he's just, you know, he's just super cerebral. He sees the field extremely well, you know, just a great player all around. He just, he just, he just lights it up. Dylan, great having you on. Good discussion about this. And I I think, you know, what the Ravens do for the rest of the year is going to be really one of the interesting things I'll be watching. But my own personal opinion, he's Mm -hmm. Hamilton has got that slot corner role until other teams prove they can exploit him and make him make the Ravens pay for uh, them putting their trust in him. I I really believe he's not going to be he's not going to be going anywhere. We're going to be seeing him in against most 11 personnel the rest of the way. Uh, as for that, I think we'll see, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I think we'll see that actually. I think we'll see that until it's proven otherwise. We'll, we'll try that because our other options haven't worked there and we've been rotating them around a lot. So that clearly shows distrust. So I think that's Hamilton's spot to lose really. And even if he does lose it, he's still going to see a lot of snaps, frankly, you know, because he's your pick and he's done well in other areas. All right, Dylan, great talking football with you. Tell folks one more time where they can find you on Twitter, your handle. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at D-Y-F-R-E-X, F-R-E-X underscore underscore. I, it's, right. it's the photo of Ed Reed, you know, holding the Lombardi. It's a great photo. All right. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Looking for a 25 to 30 minute topic. We can get into a narrow discussion and uh, hopefully create some content that's a little bit less intimidating to folks who don't like one hour shows. I know I've been, I've been personally watching a lot of YouTube videos, particularly while I was sick the last couple of weeks and really trying to uh, see things usually about the Ukraine war and other things. But one of the things I choose these videos on are how short they are, you know, and, and I, I, I do say I'd like to watch this three minute video and I maybe won't watch this 21. Well, I need to start applying some of that to the show and creating some shorter content for folks who really want to, uh, want to hear that or would give the show a try if they, uh, if they would. So if particularly you've got a nice narrow topic, I want to talk to you, uh, hit me up on, on Twitter. I'll get right back to you. Dylan, thanks again for coming on. Oh, th- thank you for being a great host, Ken. Hopefully, uh, 
I get to come back on if I you know did a good enough job I'd love to come back on absolutely and we'll talk to you next time on talk the to you study. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.